Hey, this is Paul Pelletier, uh, currently artist on uh, DC's Batgirl, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Wow, you're getting better at this. Trying to put my little flavor on it. Seriously, you're getting better. <laughs> Are you on your super fast uh, Jumpstart 5K up the, the wazoo setting? Um, I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sound okay? Uh, no. As soon as you said I sound okay, you went right in the toilet. Oh, because I just switched to the super fast. It was in the middle of switching. How do I sound now? Great. Perfect. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, silly and shit. Oh, yeah. Ready to do this? Yeah, I read a lot of stuff, and honestly, I read some some Marvel stuff, and I don't think you read the thing that I read. Okay. Oh, but, I think I did though. Okay, good. Maybe it's just not on your list. Maybe it didn't make yeah. the list. Uh oh. No, no, it just hasn't. I forgot to put it on my list. I read okay. I, if it's if it's what I'm seeing here. I read it. Okay, good. Well, that's good. Then yeah. we can we can bounce. Oh, it's on my list. It is. Yep. Look at this. Oh, oh no! I you're you have two Marvel things on your list. Yeah, I know you read the other thing. Okay, no, I haven't read that yet. Okay. Well, I, it's really... Uh, I yeah, you, you could spoil the hell. I don't care. It's a first issue, so spoiling, it's half the fun. Yeah, that's fine. Get you to read more. <laughs> Maybe it won't get you to read any. I don't know. We'll see. And you'll hear more because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 554, right in your front door. And I am Vince B. Indeed, you are. What was, I was that? Pausing. I was pausing because people were going to think, since right. our third leg wasn't there last episode, that he's back. No. But he's not back, but it kind of just sounds like dead air, so apologies for that. Uh, but I, of course, am Phil Grayfield, but you all know me as NFL Super Pro. Wow, yes, that, that clicked as soon as you said, y'all know me as. I'm like, oh, I remember now. But no, you're not Phil, Phil McCracken. You are Jason Wood, everybody. Two out of three is not bad, just like Meatloaf said. And I'll tell you, it's not bad. It's really good. You can get your comics from Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com has everything you want at a fraction of the price. I'm going to make it fast because you're really not supposed to be getting this because the month is almost over. So if you're this... Yeah, if this is the time you place your order, <clears throat> DAP, then you got problems, and you should be doing it at the beginning of the month so you can add stuff to it along the way. Uh, remember, from Image, Bully Wars, number one, Scotty Young, Aaron Conley, $1.99. Coda, Trade Paperback, Volume 1, Discover Now, from Boom. This is a great, great piece of work. Simon Spurrier, Matthias Bergara, nine ninety nine cover price, your price, $4.99. Don't be mm-hmm. don't be foolish. And from Vertigo, Riley Rosmo driving the deathbed. Sixteen ninety nine cover price. Your price eight dollars and forty nine cents. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and your good your books all shipped all nice and safe and secure. Ding dong! It's my books, and they're at my freaking door. Do it. DCBService.com. Look at you. You're the man. I say that in my sleep. You sure can. Mm. It's the only thing I could do in my sleep. <laughs> I don't dream. I told pre- you, I don't dream. What about nocturnal emissions? Mm, many. 
Many of those. Ooh. No dreams, though. Well, you do dream. You just don't remember them. Exactly. Exactly. Because you know how that goes. I need something, maybe a plant, that could help me unlock my dream potential. Oh, mayhap. That would be awesome. Heroes. Would be dough. Maybe some heroes tripping. For really dough. We have a long time to wait for heroes. It sucks. I mean, especially because we're probably not going this year. Why? Dude, where you been? We've been talking about that for weeks. Says who? Says everybody. Who says, who says everyone? We talked about making, going back to, uh, to C2E2 next year and giving <laughs> heroes a year rest because. Nah, screw that shit. We'll do both. Nah, dude, well, you didn't, see, you, you, I guess, see, you're, you're busy. You, you have a job that doesn't allow you to be on the, uh, social medias during the day. Right. But, um, things are changing, dude. You know, uh, it was announced this week that Rico is, is leaving heroes. Ooh. Yeah. See, I'm going to miss heroes. Do, do, so but, you, you're saying but I that think they, you'll miss heroes. I think heroes, you'll miss it more. It'll be that much better if you take a, a year off and come back to it. Maybe. There ain't going to be no quarter boxes in C2E2. Sure there will be. Shit. There always, of course there will be. All right. We'll see. What are you drinking? Well, I'm all, I'm all freaking depressed now. Ah, listen, man. You know, who, who's? we'll figure it out. It's yeah. there's no guarantees, you know. All right, what do you? It's drinking? just absence. You know, it's nice to switch it up, man. Like, you don't want to, like. I didn't you feel like this year was a little? Well, see, this is that was only your second year. I I I thought the the show lost a little bit of momentum this year. I I didn't see it. Okay, it was it was uh, steamrolling for me still. All right, but All right. I'm not the. Uh, well, either way, we have plenty of cons between now and yes, then. yes, that's true. Uh, what am I drinking? I am drinking coffee. I ordered one, but my girls did not bring it to me yet. So I am okay. I'm finishing off the uh, the dark horse Cabernet Sauvignon twenty fifteen twenty sixteen. I don't know. I'm finishing it off, and then uh, hopefully I will have a a big ass coffee. I know Dap doesn't like the Dunkin', but that's where they're going. So that is rough. I don't mind it. By the way, I just happen to have, through no planning, on mute in the background on the TV is the Thomas Jane Punisher movie, and it is an awful film. I don't think it's horrible. Wait, are you talking about the Warzone? Uh, no, I think he's just called the Punisher, right? Mm, wasn't he in two? Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I think there's a Warzone movie. Okay. Yeah, this doesn't. This is like him, some really horrible special effects dude. I think it's probably supposed to be microchip. N no, no, like nuke. Oh um, boy, what the hell? I don't know. It's a big blonde, like Aryan-looking dude with blonde, hmm. blonde flat top. I don't know. Nobody yeah, can take the place of. Yeah, microchip's got like a bunch of earrings in his lip, not earring, uh, like piercings in his lip, and. There's some blondie that's taking care of him. I don't know. I have it on mute, mute so I can't. I'm just going by what I'm seeing on the screen. Right, right. It's rough. Well, I guess... Um, oh, it's not... Um, it's. I think it's Jigsaw, the blonde guy. Okay. Yeah. His face is all cut up now. The Punisher Warzone was not Thomas Jane. There you go. According to this, uh, the Punisher was played by uh, Ray Stevenson. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, 
enough of that nonsense. I have yes. a thank you. Oh, tell me. Well, this weekend, some of our brothers, speaking of cons in North Carolina. Yeah. Ra- the Raleigh Supercon was this weekend. I saw that. And Raleigh happens to be the home base for our good buddies and heroes con brethren, our EOC South franchise owners, Justin and Cliff. Yes. And so that's their home show. Uh, they uh, they were they were hyped about it for a long time. So it was uh, it was this weekend, and so I have a, a couple of thank yous related to that because even though I was not in attendance, it did not preclude me from coming away with art from the show. Look at you. Yes. And what's the so, name of this con again? The Raleigh Supercon. Wow. So first up, the first thank you is to Justin because he had uh, a list, as we're wont to do, of, of artists he wanted to commission. And this being a smaller show, it was a little easier to get on lists if you were uh, quick, you know, quick on the draw. And he, his top, his top uh, artist he was seeking was a Mirka Andolfo piece. Mm. He wanted to get a Black Widow from her. So I was chatting, chatting him up on Friday, see how things were going. And he mentioned that he was able to get right on Mirka's list, and he was super stoked, and that was great. And then he mentioned in passing, hey, uh, I think she's still got spots if you're interested. Hmm. I said, oh, c'est bon. So thanks to my homie, he got me on Mirka's list, and she did a domino for me. Did you put that on the on the Twitters? No. Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. I actually oh, haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, Justin saw it. He forgot to take a picture, and then gave it to Paolo Cadence Paolo Belfiore yeah. uh, to bring to to give to me because Paolo's back this way. But my other thank you and a massive thank you is to Paolo because, and you know this already, but for the listeners, um, I created a new jam piece for Heroes, which was the. It was a, a non-Avengers jam. It's a jam of characters that have never been Avengers yet in a roll call scene. Ah. And uh, Paolo had offered um, that he was more than happy to take my jam and get it, um, get a couple of his artists to work on it because he had a con or two that he was going to that were smaller, smaller shows and that there'd be some downtime. And uh, he, he, he offered that up, and he said he really thought it would, be, it would be fun to do for me. So I thought that was incredibly nice of him. And and he he took the piece and – well, first at, at Heroes, which I mentioned, he got Joel Jones to draw uh, Domino on it, which was huge because she didn't draw that weekend at all. So it was a, he got her to do a favor, which is incredible. Then he had Moritat and Robbie Rodriguez draw Shanna the She-Devil and Spider-Gwen at uh, a show – they did a month or two back. Wow. That that one Moritat, Shauna the She-Devil, is probably better than all of the comics, all of the sequential art we've seen out of Dynamite from that title. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. That's true. Yep. Other than Moritat's work. Yep. And then he held on to it for Raleigh. And so um, when the show started, he pinged me and... Uh, asked me if I wanted uh, one of his artists, Gustavo Duarte, to uh, work on it. I love and, his stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was stoked about that. And then and then he hit me up and said, hey, um, you know, I don't know. 
I don't know if I'm going to swing this for sure, but I am talking to uh, Chris Pacello about Bastard. doing something on your jam. Bastard. And I said, wait, what? No. Now, Tell now me no. Got, now, you know how I do. Like, I have a list of characters. Oh, but Paolo didn't have the list or the reference with him. So he hit me back and he said, uh, I talked to Chris. He's totally up for it. But he wants to know if he can draw magic. Because <laughs> that, that <laughs> magic wasn't on my list. Oh, shit. And now, as luck would have it, magic has never been an Avenger. So I said, dude, <laughs> I think we can work that out. So, okay, so he, he hooked that up. Then um, I he asked me if uh, I wanted Tim Seeley to draw on it. And I mm. loved him. And Tim has actually done two of my jams in the past. So I said, sure. And I gave him a couple of options. And he ended up doing um, uh, the uh, Casper Cole character. You know the white tiger from yeah. Uh, yeah from the crew, so he Paolo was updating me saying, oh yeah, this guy's working on it and showing me pics, or whatever. And he said, hey, I took I took the liberty and I made an executive decision, and I ha- I'm having a surprise work on your jam piece. Now this is after he's already gotten Chris Bacello to work on it, right? <laughs> so so I'm like, okay, man, listen, dude, I'm like, that's cool. You know, I said I'll, I'll, I. Just, just make sure the character is a, you know, not someone that's been an Avenger. And he's like, no, 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 we're we're good there. I said, okay. So he hits me up. Turns out, dude, and this talk about kismet, cosmic, cosmic karma, whatever you want to call it, but it turns out at this little show in Raleigh, who is sitting next to his crew, but none other than Jose Delbo. Wow. Now, I'd, you and I have been to a lot of cons. I don't ever remember Mr. Delbo being at a con that I've been at. No, same. So, Paolo's talking to his crew about my jam and what a good idea he thought it was. And he said, and he's like, believe it or not, one of the, uh, one of the characters Wood wants is, is NFL Super Pro. And Mr. Delbo, who for those listening that don't realize, he is the gentleman who drew NFL Super Pro for Marvel. Fabian Nicieza wrote it and Delbo yeah. drew it uh, back in, in uh, the early 90s. So Jose Delbo said, oh, I'd love to draw on his jam. <laughs> so the the guy who drew NFL Super Pro drew NFL Super Pro on my jam next to Paolo. That's amazing. You How pulled, insane is that? You're like Svengali. You pull the strings like from miles and miles and miles away. And you Dude, still get is, what you want. So other than Electra, which I got done at Heroes by Michael Dooney, shout out. Um, every other piece so far in this jam has been Paolo getting them done for me uh, at cons I haven't attended. Paolo's the dude, and dude, he's the man, dude. I, I told him I can't thank him enough. It's uh, it's incredible. I mean, to to have a jam with Joel Jones and Bacello, and then to have one of the characters drawn by a guy who never does cons and Jose Delbo, like that's incredible. Yep, it's incredible. It's the sweetness. So, yeah, so pretty stoked. Really stoked. I would be too. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm lifting my cup of coffee and a cheers to uh, Paolo at Caden's Comic Art. And yeah, the hell with it. I'm lifting my wine to Paolo. Exactly. And by the way, it's worth noting that one of the reasons our boo wasn't on this past episode and isn't on tonight is because he is down in the, in the Raleigh area himself. Yep. Now, and I believe, I believe he went to the con yesterday. 
Oh, he did. So that's yes. how that's how he sent that thing to us. Okay. Because well, you don't know, and and the people who uh, heard they've heard it at the beginning of this episode. He got Paul uh, Pelletier to do an intro oh, for sweet. us. Yeah. Oh, nice. And I'm just like, wait a minute. It sounds like David with on that thing. How the, oh, that's awesome. I, I I didn't put two and two together because you know I'm a little slow sometimes. Uh huh. And uh, there you go. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Do you think he bought us anything? I doubt it. Oh, I don't know. I hope yeah, not. He didn't. What do you mean you hope not? I don't, he doesn't need to spend his money on me. I got enough book. Well, I'm yeah. swimming in book. Well, uh, okay. I'm let's trying talk, to debook. Let's talk about some book. Let's do it. Now, I know this is the thing I do not think you read. Um, Infinity Wars Prime, number one? No, I have not read that. Okay. I guess there's this thing called Infinity Wars, and there was a bunch of intro books to it. But I wanted to see. This is a mini experiment in the making. I wanted to see if I could read a Marvel event book going cold, not having oh, known, right. not having known anything about you know sure. what, what the heck is going on, and um, somewhat mixed results. But I will say the creative team did their did due diligence, and I didn't have too many questions. If I did, they were almost immediately answered. So okay. it, it was written by Jerry Duggan, illustrated by Mike Diodato Jr., with color art by Frank Martin. Now, um, and, and this is a, a double-edged sword, because while I enjoyed this, this first issue, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I'm going to stick with it, because I didn't know going into this, but there are many books tied to this thing <laughs> um by the way didn't they just say they weren't going to do events for a while like i'm am i imagining that right but get this get this there's a page at the back of the book and i don't know if i should be burying the lead here because anyone who is on the fence about reading this after they hear the the sheer volume of books that's going that is going to be published under the infinity wars umbrella they may not mm-hmm. want to read this um, there was a book called Infinity Wars Prime, which this is. Mm-hmm. In August, there's going to be Infinity Wars number one and number two. In September, there's going to be Infinity Wars three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to say IW from now on because I don't want to say Infinity Wars again. IW okay. Iron Hammer number one. IW Soldier Supreme number one. Right, those are the mashup books. Thanos Legacy number one. Now in October, you get... Infinity Wars number one or number four, you get Arachnite number one, Iron Hammer number two, Sleepwalker number one, Sleepwalker number two, Soldier Supreme number two, Weapon Hex number one. Uh, in November, Infinity Wars number five, along with Arachnite number two, Ghost, Ghost Panther number one, Infinity Warps number one, Sleepwalker number three, Weapon Hex number two, and it all comes to a rousing crescendo in december with fallen guardian number one infinity wars number six ghost panther number two infinity warps number two and sleepwalker number four wow could this story be this big i don't know but here's the premise you you decide all right loki when the book opens loki's having a hissy fit because he he's he's in this repository of of extremely important Asgardian history books, 
they decided that should anything happen to Asgard, they better copy down, they, they make duplicates of all the very, very important, the essential tomes, and secure them somewhere else. And wouldn't you know it, something happened to Asgard recently. I don't know what, but something happened to Asgard. So you have this repository of these very, very valuable Asgardian uh, history books. And Loki's perusing the stacks, and he, he can't find a single instance of of a, a text delineating him coming out on top of an or, of an event. He's like, I'm, I'm like the fall guy. I'm the eternal fall guy. And it's driving him nuts. And you have this librarian. Actually, she's a tome keeper. Um, she's mm-hmm. this rugged Asgardian woman named Flawa. She directs him to a book where Loki's, let's just say his his loss of senses is detailed. She's like, yes, I remember. There's a book here somewhere that de- details your befuddlement. And they find the book and Loki flips to the, the section and he, and he sees his, his, his um, image and someone ripped out the pages. The pertinent pages have been torn from this book and Flower freaks out because she's the, the tome keeper who would deface, destroy a book like this. They must be made to reproduce the book exactly and then slain. Um, and she says, well, okay, I, I kind of sort of remember the story having something to do with the quarry of creation. There's this place at the end of the universe, which is now garden, guarded by elder witches, and, and you got to go there, and blah, blah, blah. And, and Loki's like, well, why don't you come with me? Okay. She's like, yeah, you know, this may be my chance to, to write a book. Um, meanwhile, Adam Warlock is back. And uh, I didn't know. Are you there? There you yes, are. Yes, I, I just said, mm-hmm. Because you, you got real quiet. I didn't know that Adam Warlock had returned. But um, thankfully, Jerry Duggan says, you know, Kang had something to do with it. That's really all I need to know. That's yeah. I was going to say that's a nice way to do it without yeah. giving you yeah. I don't need to know the specifics. Adam Warlock is back in mm-hmm. a sl- slightly retooled look, um, and he visits Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange has this new trick up his sleeve. He's got this tether that can bridge dimensions, and he ties it around Adam Warlock, and Adam Warlock takes a jump into the Soul Stone, and they don't call him Gems anymore, which I find kind of irritating. But not so much considering Cap fucked up. Remember when Cap tried to use the gauntlet and it got all oh, yeah. destroyed? Mm-hmm. So the the there's something with the gems slash stones where they can never truly be unmade. They will always come back. And they have. And now that's where that's my uh my my loophole where th- since they've come back they're not in the same form as they were before physically. They're stones. They're not perfectly polished oval gems anymore. They're they're rough hewn, irregularly shaped stones. Which so that makes sense. Sure. Right? So I I'm I'm cool with it. I don't mind. You know, I'm not a stickler for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the the thing I, I kinda love is the new arrangement of the Infinity Stones. Where you have Adam Warlock there's a diagram in in the book adam warlock of course has the soul stone and the soul stone is powered by 
reality. Then you have this person named Turk Barrett, or Turk Barrett, who is uh, the repository of the Mind Stone, and the Mind Stone is powered by the Mastery of Soul. See what they're doing? They're cross-pollinating. The, real mm -hmm. the Reality Stone is powered by time. Doctor Strange has the Time Stone, which is powered by space. Black mm -hmm. Widow has the Space Stone, which is powered by the user's mastery of power. And then Drax has the Power Stone, which is set into motion by the user's mastery of mind. So mm -hmm. they, it's like an Ouroboros. They're, it's snake eating its tail. These things are powered by other things within this infinity loop. It's neat. It's pretty cool. It's, it, it's conceptual. Uh, I like it. Um, so anyway, Adam Warlock goes to Doctor Strange, and he wants you know he said, "Are you, are you collecting the stones?" And and Adam Warlock doesn't answer him. And then mm -hmm. later on in the book, Adam says to Doctor Strange, "Are you collecting the stones?" And Doctor Strange doesn't answer him. But Doctor Strange has the Time Stone, and Adam Warlock jumps into the Soul Stone, and when he gets there, he he gets killed. Oh yeah. Um, he, he finds himself within the dimension of the soul stone, doesn't have any of his powers, and this gigantic thing, the, the, its, its features are obscured, but it's big, and it's mm -hmm. nasty, and it skewers Adam Warlock right through the middle, dead. So Doctor Strange says, oh, fuck me, I got to use the time stone. I really don't want to, but I have to. So Doctor Strange taps into the time stone, makes time go backwards, saves Adam Warlock. Pulls him out, you know, um, and everything's okay there. But it's like, what is this thing that is corrupting the the, the, the soul stone? Meanwhile, on Chitari Prime, Thanos took over the whole damn planet, right? Sitting, mm -hmm. He's sitting on his throne. Well, we we kind of knew that from the Thanos series, but he's sitting on his throne and he launches into yet another, I am Thanos. I'm unbeatable. He's like, he's like rapping. He's doing the equivalent of what every rapper on the planet does these days. I'm so bad, you know, fear me, uh, uh, watch me dazzle you. And as he's talking, someone kills him. He's stabbed in the back by this hooded androgynous. You really can't tell if it's a man or a woman. I'm guessing, well, I won't guess. Um, he's, he's stabbed in the back, and he's brought to his knees, and he's like, oh, who dares? And the person has the sword and wheels around and cuts his damn head off. What? Cuts off Thanos' head. Wait a minute. This yep. is, now, we're getting, now this is getting interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I don't know why this person would cut off um, Thanos' head or who it is. I'm, I'll just say it now. I'm guessing it's Sleepwalker. Sleepwalker? Yeah. There's a there's something fairly reminiscent about the costume that makes me think it's it's uh, Sleepwalker. First, wait, wait, wait. Why would Sleepwalker be taking out these big guns, and how would he have the power to? Don't know that, but the thing that huh. makes me think that is there's three issues of a uh, actually there's four issues of a Sleepwalker miniseries. Right, and you, yeah, and you mentioned this. it ends with Sleepwalker Four, right? Yeah. So I'm yeah. thinking it's it's Sleepwalker. Uh -huh, see, see, if, see that you put two and two together over there. Yeah. So if they didn't do this stupid list, I would have no idea. And and mm -hmm. it's really neat the character's mask underneath the hood, where the eyes are are um, 
the I section, it's an infinity symbol. Mm. That's kind of neat. Uh, Design-wise, that works mm-hmm. for me. But I was intrigued with this issue until I saw the last page with all the, the books on it. Will I stick it out or wait till it's all collected? I don't know. But I want to know. I mean, obviously, Thanos is not going to get killed. You know? Well, right. Not even permanently. Yeah, yeah it's Thanos. I mean, it's not going to stick. But Diodato has this. He's been doing this since the Thanos series where he chops up single I- images into multi panels. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. And he's doing. You do, huh? Yeah, I, I like it a lot because it it gives there's variation. The the he doesn't do it. Each each segment of the chopped panel is not the same as other segments. So there's mm-hmm. you'll get a, a a large vertical, couple of squares, couple long verticals where it it, it adds some visual diversity to this. It's it, yes, he's he's doing three panels on a page, but it sure. doesn't seem that way because it's all chopped up. The, mm-hmm. wi- the white space, you know, it could be the white space could be the passage of time. And in, in the many instances, it is right. Mm-hmm. I, I like the way it looks. I'm sure David's mileage is going to vary on this. But if you liked what he did in Thanos, you'll like this. There seems to be more drawing involved in this. There's a an image of Adam Warlock descending on a rock concert populated by aliens. Or very many different body types. You have big hulking creatures. You have winged creatures. There's awesome drawing going on here. So uh-huh. if he's using a tool to augment his uh, figures, then I can't tell, which is good. It looks like the good old-fashioned Mike Diodato we knew way back when when he was drawing the Hulk and Thor. To my eyes, well, that's encouraging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as it's not in the same style, but there's there's drawing going on here. There's right. not let's pose somebody in a in a, a software application and just draw over it. I liked mm-hmm. it. I liked it a lot. I thought it, in the colors um, by uh, Frank Martin are kicking. They're very beautiful colors. Okay, I that, I will give it a try. I think you'll like it. I do. I'm I'm. Super intrigued by the Asgardians of the Galaxy. Me too. To me. And and you know what? It seems like a joke, but the the roster, yes. He's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And wait till you see when Thanos gets his head cut off. They actually show the mm-hmm. head falling off. They show, they well, I mean, if you want to see this page, uh, you can go to our website, 11oClockComics.com, go to the appropriate section for this episode, and in it will be a gallery featuring this image where Thanos' head topples from his neck. You see the head removed from the body, and then it falls between his legs, looking up at his own crotch. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. That is. That's that. I, 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 love, I love the idea of taking out big guns. Yeah. And even gonna... if it is, like you said, a comic, and we, and we know they're coming back, it's still cool to see him getting taken out. Because no, sure. nobody, nobody has the power to chop off Thanos' head like, like it's nothing. Right. And Sleepwalker, really? Like that's the because I was going to guess Gamora just because I thought it was Gamora, but no, I I very much doubt that it's Gamora. But it right. could be a woman, could be a man, though. I mean, they're they're pretty crafty. You can't. Mm-hmm. There's androgyny going on all over the place with this character. Sure. All right. 
There you go. Um, All right. Respect. Infinity Wars Prime. I guess there was a bunch of lead-ins to this. I don't remember uh, what they were called, but they're out there. So uh, in in any case, the eventual collected edition of this is probably going to be very large. Mm-hmm. Omnibus-sized. Yeah. You uh, Are you up to date on the Valiant stuff? No. What's the last you read of Bloodshot Salvation? Um, the the dark issue. The dark issue. Yeah, the 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 issue that has him in the the dead side, and it's all black, and he's blind, and he he can't, and then it uh, the blindness lifts in the very last page. What was that issue seven? Oh, so you okay? I'm through. Yeah, I'm through issue eleven. That's okay. You could tell me what's up. Well, I just you know that's your that's your book. I thought we might gush on it together. I, I um. It's, it's. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we haven't talked about Valiant in a while. Um, I will get into that, but then also, so I can know where we're at here. Did you read? Um, are you up to date on EXO? I'm not. Damn, dude. I know. Are you losing that Valiant love? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not losing the Valiant love, but um, well, I don't want to be negative. No, I just haven't got around to reading them so far. But I, but I will. Huh. Well, I got to say, um, of the two, of those two books, the, they're the two Valiant books I'm pretty much re- current regular with. Uh, love what's happening with Bloodshot Salvation. EXO took a turn. And with EXO, I'll keep it very simple. You know, for most of this this this, uh, this run, it's been, well, for all of this run thus far, it was uh, him essentially being... Um, like John Carter, right? You know, right. And and I love that idea of him being on this other planet and eventually becoming emperor and having to deal with the same issues he was fighting against when he was the revolutionary. And now, now he's he's back on Earth, right? Because of and the, I've lost total interest. Like that makes me lose almost complete interest in it. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. But Dap and I um, reread the uh, Harbinger Wars too, right? And so right. that that he needs to be back for that. So, um, yeah, I guess it's a trade off. I, I would I would rather have EXO in the the Harbinger Wars too than not. Mm-hmm. So he's he'll pro- hopefully they know a good thing when they see it, and he'll maybe he'll get dis- disillusioned again. And after the Harbinger Wars, he'll be like, "Fuck it, I'm going back out into space." Yeah. So hopefully. The uh, I got to say, Doug Braithwaite on Bloodshot is beautiful. Oh yeah, yep. It really is. He's. I don't know that. I, sometimes I don't totally love his stuff, but with this, it's been great. Right. Um. Yeah. With well, so with with Bloodshot Salvation, he's he's now in four thousand and two. Yep. Because Baron Samedi made him go there to kill somebody, <laughs> and uh, I guess spoilers to those who care about Valiant spoilers, but. The person Bloodshot is sent to kill is none other than his own son. Mm. Sweet. Which which gets so that and which is hard. It's hard to kill your own son. <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> Although sometimes I feel like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Um and in the meantime, his daughter Jesse has been aged. Yeah. Through some shenanigans, and so now she's a total badass. Back in our time, 
and um, she's like a teenager. Well, I think she's 12 now. She's been aged to like 12 years old. Um, and then I was going to ask you if Rampage was – have there been other iterations of Rampage in prior runs of Bloodshot? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Same same character usually? Like uh, same? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. okay. Because Rampage is essentially Bloodshot. Uncle Rampage, yeah. What's that? Uncle Rampage, yep. Yeah, but I mean, he, he's essentially uh, blood, like a, a negative, like a inverse version of Bloodshot. Yeah, there's still uh, Project Rising Spirit. Their fingers. Yeah, are, he, are, he's uh, he is the at least in this version, he's um, what, what's the word? Like of, of mice and men, he's he's the dumb brother. Lenny. Based, yeah, he's Lenny, and he's he's essentially needs to get taken care of because he can't tend to himself. And then he goes through the, the the rampage process, and it makes him a genius as well as a nigh indestructible uh, warrior. So it's an interesting twist, but uh, yeah, I think I think Blood Salvation is just a ton of fun. I, I really I think it's great. It's um, it's awesome. Yep. And the idea of his son and and his son being like an evolved an evolved version of of Bloodshot. Um, he's he's now got a really tough decision to make, which is kill his son to save his daughter or find another way out. But there seemingly isn't another way out. And, uh, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know. That's Hmm. the cliffhanger. Um, wow. I'm going to have to get caught up. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, he's got a lot of concurrent plots going on too. Oh, and, uh, what's her name? Um, what's the freaky chick, uh, Punk Mambo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punk Mambo's in this. She's awesome. She helps, um, she basically helps figure out where, because they don't know where where Bloodshot is, you know, uh, his wife and his daughter, they don't know where he is, and so uh, Punk Mambo helps helps them figure all that out by making a connection to to him. So, yeah, man, there's there's all these different subplots going on, because you've got the current timeline where Rampage is, is, is messing with uh with with jesse and and his wife and then you've got uh the the, the other bloodshots you know the the vietnam bloodshot and the russian bloodshot they're helping them out and then you've got punk mambo stepping in and you've got this 4002 situation where he's learning about his son and deciding whether he what he, what he can do if he doesn't kill him and um and then you've got this uh, baron samedi who's messing in the past as well as the future so yeah it seems like it's building to a crescendo and uh, issue eleven has a hell of a of a cliffhanger, but uh, I'll sa- I'll save that. But the page is just incredible. That Braithwaite is uh, he out- he does himself with the with the cliffhanger imagery. So um, well, yeah, you- I, I got a lot a lot be- a lot more to say on on this than than I do EXO. I just I, I I will say that the however many issues of this that I guess it was maybe thirteen that we got of the of the of the f- foreign planet was awesome. And I'm not saying that him being back on Earth is a deal breaker for me, but it is definitely for me the momentum hit, hit a wall. So I'm going to need to hear you gush about it and convince me it's worth continuing with the, uh, with <laughs> or the arc not, or not. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah, right. I, yeah. The, see, the the thing that uh, frightens me is that mm-hmm. Lemire has contributed so much. 
to the bloodshot mythology. Sure. I, and now, you know, I know I'm saying this and it's being recorded, but on the down low, much more rich a mythology than ever was done in the OG Valiant. Sure. I mean, it. come on. The the whole uh, Brothers in Arms, uh, Bloodshots, the, the dog, the, the daughter, magic, like everything L- Lemire created for Bloodshot is pretty near perfect in, yeah. in, to me. And he's leaving the book soon. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that are, scares me. Are you up to date with Venom? No, but I have them. Oh, dude. I'm not going to spoil that because it's worth it. But I will say that uh, the excitement we had for the first issue has continued through four issues. Um, I, I wouldn't consider myself a huge symbiote fan, although I think I probably benefit from not reading a lot of the symbiote stuff such that when I do read them, it still feels fresh to me. Right. And I love what they're doing with the origin of the symbiotes uh, because we got a lot of origin build out when um, – with with the I, I'm I just I'm trying to think who wrote it but the uh, the Venom the agent of Venom series when when um you know he was good between that and when he joined the Guardians of the Galaxy we got in it that was Jerry Duggan was it Duggan I think so okay so when he was when he was a member of the Guardians I remember one of the arcs from the Guardians which Bendis wrote um we got the origin of the of the species they they got the name the Clintar. Mm-hmm. If you remember, and in that in that run, we learned that they were uh, sentient and benevolent, but that they the venom symbiote was driven mad, and um, because he had gone away from his the hive mind for so long, and when he was reconnected to the other Clintar, he essentially got the impurities cleaned out of him. And which is why he was able to be uh, worn like armor and used as a force of good. Uh, and then a lot's happened since then, some of which I, I didn't read, some that I did. But in this, they introduce us to another concept, which is to say that there is a gigantic – and I think it was at the end of issue one that we first saw the the, uh, the giant flying venom dragon. Mm-hmm. That was the and, – and that's the, that's their god. But we then the, the last issues three and four build out into explaining who this dragon god is, where he comes from, what he has to, what 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 his relationship to the Clintar are. And at first you're reading it and you're thinking, well, wait, I guess they're just scrapping everything that Bendis and Duggan did because this would be a much different uh, origin story for the symbiotes. But damned if credit to uh, Donnie and and Ryan because in issue four they button it all up. So this isn't just adding another layer to what we learned back with uh, with those two guys. So they don't they don't eradicate what Bendis and Duggan did. They just build off of it and they put another layer behind what we saw and learned from them. So I, I give them credit for not blowing up their 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 boys' continuity spot uh, in in the in service of the story. But it's freaking cool, dude. It, it's it's cool because. It's one of those things where you think, oh, that makes sense, but no one's ever done it before, right? right? And all exactly, time. yep. And and that's those are the best. It's when you're telling superhero stories. I think that's when you can really hit a home run because all of these characters have so much history with them, so much continuity. So many different writers have taken a stab at plotting these books. 
that it is hard to shock us or surprise us or add something new to it. And uh, again, we're only four issues in, but I think they're doing a great job of, of building more into the character, uh, but in a way that just makes all the sense in the world. Yep. Yep. I'm, so. and, but, and it's, it's nice to see such a low-key guy like Stegman, you know, maybe enjoying his work. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Uh, yeah. His Twitter feed, I mean, the dude is mm-hmm. loving every second of it. Well, I mean, they, um, they, they, you know, they were doing that thing better than Watchmen. Yeah, and it's I love on. that. I love it's it. Become, it's become a hashtag. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> They've got everybody referring to it now as better than Watchmen. It's funny. But, see, the thing that, that makes me kind of sad is I, I'm loving Venom. Mm-hmm. I read issues one and two. I, I love it. And for me, it is the spider book to read. And and that's not, you know, but it's Venom, right? And it just boggles my mind what could have, what could be done if this team was on Amazing. And I think this team should be on Amazing. No offense to Otley, but I would much rather see Stegman on Amazing than Otley. I mean, Stegman. have you read the second issue? Yeah, I'm not down with it. Okay, so can we just talk about that for a second? Go ahead. Yeah, you could talk about it. First of all, I will agree with you on Otley. Um, I have seen many iterations of Mary Jane Watson. Mm-hmm. I think Otley may, may be one of the least attractive I've seen. Yep. There's a, a particular panel where he makes her have eyes like they're like so close together it makes her look like she's like she's been like inbred or something but um it's <laughs> not nice dude so i'm not i'm not super hot on the art i'm with you there for sure i also as you know i have had personal experience with this because i get him commissioned a lot yeah it's difficult to make the task the taskmaster is a very difficult character to draw sure there's a lot of things going on uh they don't it's got a it's a bad color scheme in that they don't, they're not naturally complementary colors. Right. Um, it's tough to pull off, and I don't think it was a horrible Taskmaster, but it wasn't. Juxtapose that against how Matteo Sclera drew Taskmaster in Secret Avengers, and it's it's night and day. Um, but there's a big but here. I think I'm totally on the other end of 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 you in that. Um, I didn't care for the first issue much because I don't think it makes any sense for mid-20s to late-20s Peter Parker to be a complete loser where everything in his life just doesn't work. I think that's ridiculous. I'm fine with him being a lovable loser and having things go wrong. I think that's core to the character. But I just don't think it makes any sense to have him be a schlub that can't hold a job and can't and and, and has to have four. But, But in the second issue... I I enjoyed it much more because, and I'm guessing it's why you didn't enjoy it. I am all about him being back with MJ, all about it. Yeah, no, I don't. I really know it's not your thing, but but I and I'm sure Dap is more similar to your camp. I, I would imagine neither of you are very happy to see him back with MJ. For me, the fact that they're bringing him back to MJ is enough to offset that I'm not feeling the art or his current station in life. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know you like MJ, and uh, you know different, yeah, different, no, I, different yeah. strokes. That's not enough to break yeah. it for me. Um, I would give it a chance, 
Mm-hmm. The art to me, it looks like a Spider-Man Adventures book. It does not. It's. I, I, I'm. I don't really see Otley on Amazing as ready for prime time. And I know he's done his his time on Invincible. Um, I can't separate him from Invincible, and it doesn't it doesn't help matters when the headbutt scene early on he tweeted something like Spider Man does a Viltrumite trick, and it's like oh, yeah. it, it's it, your your artwork is already indelible, uh, not indelible. Um, I, I cannot separate it from invincible it just sure. can't, i just can't do it Inex- right. inextricable um and that didn't help i just don't think it's a good looking book i think it looks like a all readers spider-man title that they just have to get out you know it doesn't look like um a bocello spider-man mm-hmm. or what well, ramita jr like you know the- i don't disagree with you and, and i i do i am surprised by it only because I think Invincible looks great. Hell, I even own a page from it. I, I and and that was a superhero book, and it was action, and it was bloody and gory, yeah. and no, and, I and I totally agree with you. I think you know? I think Otley on Invincible is inspired. This Otley, it it. I mean, yes, it's the same person. You could tell by the facial features that sure. this is Ryan Otley. It just there's no spark here. It's just boring to me. You know, yeah. It, it, yeah. The the best panel in the thing is is when uh, Connors and does the the swipe with the lizard thing. That's kind of cool, and it's it's done in in the the eyes and the the, the lizard's face just morphs into human. I think I like that panel, but the rest of it, it's just like whatever. I'm not digging it. I'm not digging it at all. Mm-hmm. Sucks. Yeah. By the way, the the blonde character in this Polish movie was the Russian. Oh, the Russian. The Russian, remember, from the Ennis and Dylan run? Yeah, yeah. Look at you. And it's it's played by Kevin Nash. <laughs> the wrestler, Diesel. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> oh, no, it's just hysterical, dude. This movie is so... The credits rolled, that's why I saw it. I'm like, oh, yeah, Kevin Nash. It, uh... This, this, was, a, this was a bad film, dude. John Travolta was in it. Say no more. Battlefield that's your, Punisher. That's your brethren. That's your brethren. Oh, yeah, that's my brethren. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> you're, both, you're both Italian. Okay. I guess. Yeah. yeah from Sicily. Yep. From the island. Hello, 11 o'clock comics. This is your buddy, Michael Whitehead from Mississippi. Uh, I called in at the last anniversary episode, but I had no idea that the uh, voicemail line was back up. Uh, when Vince sent me my care package, he said call the hotline, but I I didn't know it was back up. So I just got done listening to the latest episode and said call the hotline, so I I called it. Uh, I'm going to be calling probably every day from here on out. I love talking to you guys. Uh, something I wanted to point out, I, just, uh, I was listening to episode 550, and uh, Vince B was talking about how those issues where, you know, the, the event comics, uh, this should never be a, a person's first comic. And, and I totally agree with that. Uh, when I was in third grade, uh, I took a, a Superman comic to show and tell and got everybody in the class all excited about it. And I challenged each one of my fellow students to go to the local grocery store and pick them up a comic. The very next day, the, one of the biggest kids in class come up and, 
handed me a book and told me I was stupid. Uh, and he said the book sucked. And he gave it to me. Anyway, that, that book turned out to be Crisis on Infinite Nervous One. So, uh, I just wanted to call in. Oh, I gotta go. My wife just come in. She's gonna think I'm talking to my girlfriend. I gotta go, Pop. I have something, and this is all love. All 100% love. In 100%? F- in fact, a hunnet. It, it is the best floppy from my, my, my box, without question. Okay, wait. You say floppy, you mean from your current, your most recent yes. DCBS box? Yes, the best okay. floppy I've read. Now, it's, obviously, it's not going to hold up to a lot of the trades I got because that's a much longer story and it's you know, different artists. But this single issue is the best from my most recent box. Mm-hmm. The storytellers, and that'll maybe give you a little clue what line it's from. The storytellers are Ryan Sook, Carrie Nord, and Steve Orlando. Mick Gray and Wade Von Grabadger are the embellishers. Uh, Placencia, I don't know how to say his first name. Is it FCO Placencia or is it I think Fico? So. Yep. No, I think it's FCO. I've heard other podcasts say FCO. I don't know if they're guessing as well or if that's it but i've only heard fco so okay i'm going with fco placencia on color it is the unexpected number one did you read this it's sitting here on my pile i have not read it yet oh my god the second issue's out so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna gonna go into the first issue because there's so much concept in this book it's Uh awesome uh the the title uh the main character is a woman uh named janet falls and she's a paramedic who died, lost her life during the Dark Knight's metal dust-up. She was a, um, the, 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 I, don't, I didn't read metal, so I guess there were evil Batmen that erupted into the DC universe and they caused all sorts of havoc and, and her ambulance went kablooey and she was impaled and she was killed. Um, but her never-say-die father gave her remains to this bleeding-edge arms developer uh, called Civil Solutions. And what they did was they hardened her skin and they replaced her heart with a nasty bit of business called the Conflict Engine. My wife has one of these. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the Conflict Engine, oh, right in the middle of her chest, right? And here's the, 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 the rub. The Conflict Engine eats violence, now, she's known as Firebrand now, um, and she has to beat the shit out of someone at least once every 24 hours. Oh, no way. To appease the conflict engine. So, um, wait, 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 wait. So, hold on. So, but how does the engine determine what it, what is what is beating the shit out of, like near death? It, it eats <laughs> violence, yeah. As, when the issue opens, she knocks the shit out of Killer Croc, like blood, like she beats, she pummels him down. And mm-hmm. so she's strong, and she, when she, when she, when the conflict engine kicks in, she starts to glow, and she gets these exhaust tubes on her shoulders. She's like this hot rod woman. It's it, they're, they're tubes that just like come out of her shoulders like exhausts. They're, it's so neat. Um, so her father's looking for her, civil solutions is looking for. Her, um, so she's moonlighting at a, a veterans hospital under the name Ronan R O N A N 
Um, so it's there that she runs into this character called Alden Quench, who's known as the Bad Samaritan. This guy knows stuff. He knows she's Firebrand. He uncreates an entire ward of patients to, to clear the deck. And he makes a play for the conflict engine. Well, why does this guy want this conflict engine? Like, what's going on? He's, he's this skinny fucking guy with like a, a, a bad cowboy hat on with the, like the plumes and the feathers and shit on the, you know, the, the, the front of it. Like, this is, he's just a really skeezy looking character. And it, this bad Samaritan, I call him bad Sammy, his, his brain is splintered. Something that he calls the, the, the call of Mandarak. And he says that the only thing that can quiet this mental thing he's got going on is, is a place that only the devil of Thanagar can get him to. And the price for that trip is the conflict engine. He, he has to rip out her heart, give it to this person who I'm going to tell you the name of once he gets to Thanagar and this Thanagarian will allow him access to this place that's going to help him right so um, Bad Sammy has Firebrand on the ropes he's like oh he's got her down he's going to rip the heart out but all of a sudden these characters pop in you got this Neon the Great Unknown you got a character called Turid the Viking Judge a little bit like Big Barda kind of sort of Big Barda-esque you know, mm-hmm. uh, she's got a battle axe, double-bladed battle axe, uh, and Eli, the Ascendant, this blue giant, and, and he has a, this gizmo called the Torch of Gazatari. Um, so apparently, this bad Sammy destroyed an entire universe, and there's references to Dark Knight's Metal in this thing. I Again, I don't know from Dark Knight's Metal from Adam. Um this neon character and his evangelist enter to make this dude pay for what he did. Um, so Eli lights the torch. He said, I will light the torch for only you neon. And neon does this thing with, uh, the energy of the fires of creation. And he transports all the patients to safety. And this bad Sammy guys, neons opposite. He uses the fires of destruction and the fires of destruction are the same stuff powering Firebrand's conflict engine, right? So this Quench dude's pretty damn strong. Uh, he takes the Viking judge's battle axe, he chops off Eli's foot, and he <laughs> he cleaves this neon guy in half, cuts, mm. cuts the dude in half, and the stuff sprays all over the place. I say stuff because we're specifically told that it's not blood, but it's rainbow colored. And this stuff squirts all over the place and Quench picks up some of it and he flings the blood at Firebrand and hits it with the axe. And when he does this, dumbass, he kills himself, um, Eli, and he kills the Viking judge. But what he ultimately does in doing this is he creates a new kind of nth metal. Now, when I say nth metal, what do you think of? Uh, the f- hawks, the hawk. hawk yes, Thanagar, mm-hmm. right? So, <laughs> he, Bad Sammy had a, he made a deal with somebody on Thanagar, and this person was Onamar Sin. And we haven't, I haven't seen Onamar Sin since the Ran Thanagar War. 
and the he's not, sin is not pleased that this new nth metal is out of his hands um neon reforms he, his body goes and all all this color starts oozing up from the ground and he 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 he's okay relatively i guess um and and firebrand's trying to make sense of all this shit's like what the hell's going on this nth metal is highly unstable and if something's not done it could pop and it's going to blow a hole in the multiverse and we see at the very end of the issue neon says you know what we can't have this thing go off because if it goes off it's not going to be pretty you got to pay the piper and it's a full page spread and you see the earth in the background with the kablooey and it's the thanagarian hawk avatar oh it's <laughs> yeah so this thing is tied into the dcu but visually definitely without question the best thing of the month ryan sook and carrie nord good god it's amazing the the visuals are stupendous stunning like double page spreads uh they integrate um typography into them the designs are the chaos the conflict engine is is just straight out of kirby it's awesome Mm -hmm. um and you know so the uh, quench is amazing these the trio of uh neon and his his evangelist it's this is a treat it's a virtuoso treat you, I'm surprised you, you didn't read it. It is amazing. Uh, yeah. I, I, again, nothing. You know how that goes, dude. We have a lot of comics. Yeah, it's not it, like I've been avoiding it. It's just, just on the pile. And the, the transition from Sook to Carrie Nord, I'm not going to say it's seamless, but they're both playing on the same court. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're, they're both very proficient draftsmen. Um, they're They're both realists which is cool you know i i wouldn't put bacello to follow sook or you know somebody more um with more of a tendency to exaggerate or uh more expressionistic uh penciler but nord and sook they're they're copacetic and this thing looks it's ungodly how how beautiful this thing is Mm -hmm. I, i haven't read issue two yet because i read the first issue five times are you serious? I read this thing freaking five times. Now, I got a couch that in part of it, I mean, it's dense. There's a lot going on in this thing. And they're dropping unfamiliar terminology. These are characters with, with the exception of Sin and, you know, the, the, the Thanagarian angle. I don't know how, I don't know any of these characters because I didn't read Dark Knight's Metal. It, you know, it, I know Killer Croc, big deal. But Firebrand and Quench, like, I don't know who these people are. Now I do. Mm-hmm. And I want to know more. It's a great cover for the first issue, too. Hell yeah. Yep. And it's got the right. fold-out thing, as, you know, with all the first uh, issues of these New Age of, of Heroes, the the front cover folds out, and it's just like, whoa. It's amazing. Two ninety nine, right? I'm waiting for the other I'm... shoe to drop when they raise these bitches to three ninety nine. They have to make a choice. Oh well, I was. I, are you saying that you know that that's official, though, right? But they haven't raised these books yet. No, but I'm saying it's it's been announced that DC's going to three ninety nine for all their books. Okay. Because that I think it was at San Diego or right before they announced that. Yeah, but at the la- oh, it was because as of the last previews, these books were two ninety nine and everything else was three ninety nine. Mm, so okay. I don't know if these are exempt. I hope not. 
or I hope they are, because still paying like a dollar seventy nine after discount DCBS, that's a great price for these issues. That's why I'm buying them in singles because I don't have to wait for the trade. Right. Yeah. Phenomenal. This book is great. High concept. Just if there's anything that makes me salivate, it's high concept DC universe. <laughs> and that's what this that is, is true. Yep. Check it out. Unexpected number one. So what um, the other book that I thought you might be talking about because you said you read a Marvel book uh, is The Century. Yep. We talked about the first issue when it was when it was dropped, and the second issue came out what last week, two weeks ago. I think last week. Yeah. And I see it's on both of our lists. So what did you think? <laughs> I think it's amazing. Um, Me too, dude. Which yeah, is it's hilarious. So good. The freaking century. But the thing is, again, it's it's. Should we give them the lowdown on the first issue, just in case they didn't they didn't pay attention? I mean, maybe quickly, but we did. Yeah. Go, I mean, okay. We dove we into it. But written written by Jeff Lemire, yeah. illustrated by Kim Yacinto and Joshua Casara. Dude, with, this Kim this Kim Jacinto, and I think it's I'm assuming it's a man, but but either way, oh, wow, yeah. But I gotta say, this Casara cat holds his own. I mean, the, again, the transition is not jarring. Mm-hmm. Do you did you think it was? No, no, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Color art by Rain Beredo. Now we know Bob Reynolds, the Sentry, struggles with his uh, dual identity uh, in his brain. That uh, every time he becomes the Sentry, he risks letting loose the void into our reality. And the void gets into our reality. It's not all that good. Um, he at one time had a sidekick named Scout, um, a- a.k.a. Billy Turner. But uh, Doctor Strange, in the first issue, we're told Doctor Strange created a pocket dimension in Bob's brain so that the sentry and the void can never threaten reality. It, it's, it's a place in Bob's mind that's only accessible by this device called the Confluctor. So Bob has to enter the sentry realm once every 24 hours to keep the void at bay. But within the sentry realm, you got the sentry family. Like, this is not a Captain Marvel pastiche. Like, I don't know what is. You know, you got Scout in there, the sentress whom he modeled on, a woman he knows from his reality job as a short order cook in a diner, um, Jennifer, the sentress. You got um, the watchdog, clock is in it. Like, everything we've come to know about the century and more is, is in this world. And what he does is he just beats the shit out of the, the void every 24 hours. And the moon gets blown up. The century's hiding in the middle of the moon and, or the, the void is hiding in the middle of the moon and the century destroys the moon. And he's like, the uh, scouts like, well, the moon just got destroyed. Isn't that a bad thing? So she's like, nah, mm-hmm. not here. Everything gets fixed here, you know, and the moon reforms and everything's okay. So the, the scent, uh, Bob has to check in with the ACD, the aberrant crimes division. And they got to make sure that he's doing his due diligence and keeping this void at bay. Are you doing your little thing with the watch every 24 hours? You're checking into this thing. Yeah. 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 And Misty Knight is like Bob's probation officer. Um, so in the second issue, uh, well, in the, at the end of the first issue, Bob returned to his crappy apartment to find the, the conflictor gone. The thing that allows him access to Sentry World is now gone. Uh oh, who took it? Well, we're led to believe in issue two that his, um, greatest nemesis, 
cranio. <laughs> how, how perfect <laughs> is that? Cranio. Mm-hmm. Um, enters the sentry world and he kills Scout, or um, he kills um, Centris. He, he kills Scout and the dog and um, the time is running out for Bob. He's, he's got to get back to sentry world or it's not going to be good. So he, so now we're in, in the, the reality, in, in, in the waking world, and Bob goes to see Billy at the diner. He's like, dude, uh, I, I need your help. And Billy's like, fuck that shit. You know I'm the low on your list of go-to dudes. You go to freaking Reed Richards and Tony before you'd come to me. See, Bob made the, the mistake of telling Billy what was going on. And Billy resents Bob because Billy's was his sidekick and was allowed all of these adventures and unfortunately he lost an arm in the process but he still has that thirst for su- super heroics and bob's like nah son you can't come into this century world with me and um long story short it was it was billy who who stole the conflictor and he's got this person this this uh, cranio hooked up to it this is fat slob dude and a wife beater so it could be anybody really and uh he's pulling the strings and billy wants to be the sentry and he and he's Indeed. gonna he's gonna try and you know the, his best to to become the the hero he wants to be and it's it's just again it's just a a masterful performance by this this creative team i fucking love the art dude it, it's it's astounding it really is uh, the art is so oh it's great and and not and, not to not to beat up but it's like you juxtapose that against spidey right and you just i know one's got this this life to it and the other one seems flat it's, it's it hurts me to say that because i i do like otley but i mean the two of them side by side man there's no freaking comparison and i love the misty night being up in oh here. yeah and she's Perfect cute place for right you saw it kick yeah or not, not a sidekick, but more. I'm in a supporting character, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I love Misty, and I, I think when used well, she's a, a great character. You know, I don't. This may sound bad, but I don't like it when she's just used for color, and I uh-huh. don't mean that in a racist way. Like when she's just used to inject a, you know, let's get a female character in here. Let's get. She's she's much more valuable than that. Right. I think too uh, the Kasara guy reminds me a little bit of, of Lionel Francis Yu. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. In the face is really more than he doesn't have the the skinny linear um, body type that you is known for. But uh, I, I see a lot in the faces. Either way, it's it's a, it's an absolute winner. I hope it's being well received. I know a lot of people probably snicker. Uh, at the idea of relaunching a century book because he is yeah decidedly C list but but so far so good. Oh, why is he C list though? Well, I mean, just because he is right. He's a he's a knockoff of he's he's one of a, a trillion Superman clones that. Uh, now, see, I don't. I, I'm not down with that. No, I don't. I, don't, I think he's more than that. That his his abnormalities with the 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 void separate him from just another majestic yeah, or, yeah. or you know or 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 uh any other uh superpower extremely superpowered character i i think well I, I, right I, I, but i'm he's 
he he was the butt of of, of a lot of jokes. Exactly. He, I think yeah. Bendis abused him in the Avengers. And, and you could also say he's a knockoff. For, uh, the other view is that he was a knockoff Miracle Man. Sure. Yeah. Which was because they didn't have the rights at the time, and then they got the rights, and then then they killed him off, which kind of led to the idea that this was their way of circumventing Miracle Man, and then uh, Marvel Man, rather. Well, same character, but they called him Marvel Man. But uh, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I just um, I, I think this book is analogous to what say Tom did with Vision, mm-hmm. or what Tom's doing with um um. Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle. Um, there's a lot of fertile ground if you let a good creative team take a stab at a character that doesn't have such a high place in the pantheon that everybody is beholden to the one set of continuity and you can play in the cracks and crevices of the character and the character isn't fully established or fully formed or people won't be as upset if you radically alter some aspect of them. Mm-hmm. I think there's a ton of fertile ground and I wish Marvel and DC did more of this. Now I realize they can't do it all the time because most of these don't sell well. I'm not suggesting this isn't selling well or that the vision and Mr. Miracle aren't they? I think they all were commercial successes, but you know, my point that it's, it's, I understand why they don't do 20 of these a, a, at a time, but, but I do think I, I don't know if they if they ask their creators this, but when you get a creator that uh, is working for you and and is a proven commodity, or you you've locked them up and you think they're a go to, I, I would love it if they sit down and say, "Hey, who would you love to write?" You know, take give each of them. If a writer can do four or five books for you, give him one book that's that's um, a, a glamour book like this, where he says, I, "You know, I really would love to do a story with this character," and they just let them go to town. I agree because. Those, those are fun stories when they yep. do that. And for those wondering, this current Century series is much more beholden to the Paul Jenkins stuff than, yeah, yes. than the, the Bendis stuff. And fun fact, yes, I did use that in a sentence. Do you know, um, aside from Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee, do you know who had a hand in the creation of the Century? Oh, geez. Um, You'll never no. get it. Rick Veach. Really? Yep. He did some conceptual uh, additions to the character. He did. He wasn't ever credited for it, but uh, um, I knew it. But it's confirmed on the uh, the Wikipedia page. Which is is, is that confirmation? I don't know, but it, it's, <laughs> it's there on the Wikipedia page. I remember uh, Rick saying something about that. Uh, you know, when I was talking to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're chatting him up. Hey, I love Rick. We talk a lot. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Respect. You're going to have him on one of these weeks. Nice. <laughs> You're going to be here I for that? I'm busy that week. Oh, <laughs> you dick. <laughs> but this, <laughs> this book is so animated. It's it's ridiculous. And yes, it is the Jacinto stuff that is the most animated. And it's just, wow. Um, it's it's alive, right? The, yes. pan, the panel transitions are alive. And they're all leaking over into each other, and it's just, it, it, it's, it's all over the place. Agreed. And it's brutal, too. When he takes out Centris, like, that mm-hmm. panel is, that's brutal. She melts. She just melts under his, uh, whenever you want that energy discharge. 
Oh, definitely. There you go. So what else we got? Um, the second issue of The Magic Order came out. Oh, I haven't even read the first. You tell me about mm. this. Well, it's it's um, it is Mark. Excuse me. I had to just move something. It is Mark Miller and uh, Olivia Coipel doing a Miller World book, but these days they are Netflix Miller World because uh, Mark sold out to uh, Netflix and is lock, stock, and barrel. Everything he's going to do now is through Netflix. Um, but it's it's in essence uh, his creator owned isn't you know his newest creator owned book sure. with them uh, and this is this is Olivier's it's either his first creator owned book or it's this first one in a long long time that I can recall I'm trying to I don't know if maybe there's something back in the back in the early days he he did something or I don't know it's possible but this is definitely the first time since he's at least been uh, at the top of the craft that. Um, that uh, he's done creator on. So a lot of hype for it. Yeah, and he, he was on Marvel's teat for a long time. Yeah. Well, no, exactly. Um, rightly so. Rightly so indeed. And the first issue, which we did discuss, it's a, a world where um, there's a, a group of a fam. Well, there's a bunch, there's magic existence world. And there's a family in particular that, um, are all very strong in in wielding magic, but they uh, they're largely in hiding. And events transpire that forces their hand. They have to um, come out and do battle with forces that are conspiring to take them out. Um, and uh, so it's it's one part soap opera, one part magic fantasy book, uh, one part murder mystery. Um, and the end of the first issue is super crazy because you see the, the scenery is it's like you're watching one room inside of an apartment building and they're coming to the realization that one of the magic wielders has the ability to warp reality and they're as as they're as they're explaining this, you see the room kind of collapse into itself, almost like a black hole, and then unfold again. And it's a completely the space is the same, but it's completely different furniture. There's completely different humans sitting there as if they've existed there forever. And uh, so it's it's really trippy, and 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 uh, I'm, I'm sure it was Mark's idea and structure, but it's all Quapel pulling it off um, with his, with his mastery of, of uh, the drawing table, because, you know, I'm sure I could see like the writer saying, okay. And then there's a reality warp and it's a different, you could just do a quick cutscene and, and it wouldn't have done what, what Quapel did, which you could feel, you could just feel reality shifting in front of you. Um, and, uh, and, you know, this, this second issue is, is, um, as with many second or third issues of a series, it's it's essentially a, a transition issue. Uh, we learn a little bit more about some of the principal characters, and uh, it's it's more of a table setting issue, I'd say. Hmm. Is um, but at at its heart, 
you're starting to see sides divided. So I don't think it's fair to say this is going to be a um, good versus bad. I think this is going to be more of a of a antagonist versus antagonist. I, I don't know that there's too. I don't get the sense that there's too many uh, benevolent people uh, involved in this story. It's a it's, good thing, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could be wrong about that, but but so far, it seems like it's more like everybody's got their own kind of self-interests and their own secrets. And um, I think alliances that are forming are by convenience or necessity, more, more of the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of thing than a, than a, you know, we're, 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 we're aligned for the greater good type of thing. Um, I I love the magic user that aligns himself with forces of good, but they're despicable human beings. Sure. Like Constantine and and gravel and, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that type of anti-hero that works for me. Sure. Because if you uh, wield that kind of power, mm-hmm. th- human beings tend to get cocky. If you have the ability to change reality, to to impart your will on reality, that I don't know. That could make me more than a bit cocksure and and you know boastful and just an asshat, really. And that's what these characters sometimes are. Clarion, you know, all of them. Clarion has uh, always vexed me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Clarion, the hotel boy. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I loved Clarion in the uh, Seven Soldiers stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I don't know the androgyny of him and the. Oh, dude! Just, I love androgynous characters. I know you do. Yeah. I know you do. Um, Quapel's got a way with faces that I just absolutely fall in love with yeah um and the stuff they're doing on the page in terms of how they're wielding um magic is great and and not to contradict what i just said about i don't think there's necessarily good versus bad there there is there is a a clear group of antagonists and and they're a bunch of uh essentially the leaders making a power play to be the top magic holder and then thus with that comes great influence and she and her crew are going around murdering other strong magic users including members of of the family um that uh the the books seemingly centering around and so um but the family are all estranged from one another and they all do different types of magic uh and and they they some of them use magic like to make a living but they're they're real magic users but they like one of them's a stage musician and that's how she makes her living kind of like Zaytana, but she's actually wielding real magic. It's just the audience thinks it's stage magic because they mm-hmm. don't, the, 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 the average person doesn't know that magic is real in this. Um, but, uh, and, and there's, there's some, there's some allusions to a Cthulhu like being, they don't call mm. it Cthulhu, but, but it's a dark, it's a dark god of magic that uh, the the order had had gotten together to protect the earth for from in times past, and it's green and got tentacles and you know that type of thing. So it, it could well be his Miller's homage to Cthulhu. It's entirely possible. Um, but uh, yeah, man, it's it's. I think this is going to be 
a wild ride. One of the other neat things about um, what they're doing is they all agree to meet up. All the family agrees to to meet up because of what's been going on, and um, they they have to in order to get there. They the they show up at the Art Institute of Chicago, and hanging on the wall is this uh, gigantic painting of an old castle. And that's where they actually live. So it's a magic portal. So you have to go and walk into the painting. And uh, in a pocket dimension is this castle where they live. And you can only get there through if, if you're allowed in through their, their uh, through that painting. But but they have to allow you in. So um, it just needs stuff like that. It's just well designed. It's, it's well thought out. Um, even though it's a family, all the characters are, are, are diverse. There's a there's a goth chick and there's a very flamboyantly uh, gay dude and there's a um, there's a African American security guard and there's a real buttoned up uh, older brother that's kind of corporate, kind of financial, uh, just a, a whole crew of a conclave of, of misfits that but don't have much in common to the out, outside, but are all um, members of this of this magical family. So nice, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I mean, I'm probably not doing it justice because it's hard to. I don't. I don't want to regurgitate the plot because I think it's it would do it dis, a disservice because that's that's the fun of it so far. But uh, but yeah, Quapel definitely seems inspired. Although I'm not sure I've ever seen him draw something bad, so right. he could probably do this kind of thing in his uh, in his sleep. But uh, um, or at and least make like it little, look that way. There's, there's little sight gags. Like at one point, they go and see this schlubby comic book guy type of character, and he's fat he's got one of those gigantic t-shirts on that's probably a 5x and he's got slick back <laughs> hair and a mullet you know Dick. just was like classic comic book guy and it turns out though that he is um to the outside world he's comic book guy but 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 he's actually the keeper of thousands of powerful ma- magical artifacts and as we all are as we all are right that's we are keepers of thousands and thousands of magical artifacts. Our books, our comics. Ah, true. Okay. Yeah. And then they pan out, and the dude's T-shirt is a kick-ass T-shirt. So nice. Miller plug, get, Miller getting Quapel to plug his own stuff, which is funny. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's a, it's it's good stuff. It is. I got to read that soon. I, I I I on our forum, someone was talking about Miller, um, on a different book, but they were talking about. Uh, how much they enjoyed it, and it got it got a lot of talk going back and forth about. It seems like Miller's a divisive creator. Um, some people flat don't like him. Some yeah. people, I know Dap is more of a don't like than a like. He's actively avoided Miller in a lot of instances, and for me, it's just the opposite. I I'm not going to put Miller up there with a Lemire or yeah. a, a Remender or or someone like a certainly not like an uh, an Alan Moore or a, or Morrison, but but I, I, I gotta say, I, I like most everything he does. A lot of it is is surface level, but I think he does that really well. Right. I think his books are always entertaining. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, even if there's not a lot of depth to them, they're always entertaining. Did you ever come away from a book saying, "How dare you entertain me like that?" That's the thing. You know? Right? No. Yeah, I think um, I think for him, what you see is what you get. But I think what you get is a lot of fun. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Look at you know, we're, every we're major like a, a, network on the television. Yeah. You know? Right. I was going to say, whereas take like a Joe Casey, for example. Right. I like a lot of what Joe does, 
genuinely. I think he's a lot, he's very he can tell those same kind of stories, but I also think sometimes he whiffs hard because he's he goes too 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 out there, right? Um, and, and like out there for the sake of being out there instead of telling a cohesive story. Gotcha. And I so. think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I did a little bit of uh, due diligence on my own while you were out with the fam, and I asked our Patreon buddies to uh, throw some questions our way. Did you really? I sure did. Look at you. And uh, I have two. Okay. Hit me on, with them. I'm, I'm totally this – is, this is extemporaneous. I had no idea you did this. I know. See? I got your back. Uh, nice. I have two on which to chew. The first comes from Kevin Quass, uh, delivered oh, at 7.29 p.m. this evening. Okay. <laughs> he, asked, he said, I'm on issue 14 of Amazing Spider-Man, and it's the first Green Goblin appearance. It's not what I expected. And here's his question. What character mm-hmm. has changed substantially from their first appearance? Oh, geez, so many. Well, do tell. Uh, let, well, I have to think here. What he said the most. So let me think here for a second. Um, I have an answer. While you're since thinking. you've since you've been, I was going to say since you already have seen these questions for some time. Why don't you go ahead and I'll. Yes. I'm going to give this a little bit of thought. And see. My vote for the character that has changed the most from their first appearance is Swamp Thing. Okay. Because the character that appeared in House of Secrets '92, which was a one-off, and lit the fire, and they didn't know what they had, is not the same character that appeared in the Len Wein, Bernie Wrightson first edition, or first volume of Swamp Thing. And once Alan Moore got his hands on uh, Mr. Holland, the the plant that thought it was a human, Swamp Thing is extremely different. The the uh, the person, or the, the avatar of the green was probably nowhere near in Len Wein's mind when he started driving the bus back in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, it, Swamp Thing has gone from cheesy support character in a one-off House of Secrets story to a quasi-superhero, albeit one in the more weird vein. And that was one of the, the buzzwords at DC in the 70s was weird because the, the comics code forbade them to use certain words and weird was okay so they used we you know there was a weird hero and then when you got saga of the swamp thing and alan moore came on alan moore just i mean did an autopsy on it and took all the his amazing tendency to make the work of others infinitely better and created the character that we know today i mean everyone knows alan moore swamp thing Mm-hmm. And he just has a multi-layered, amazingly rich mythology, none of which would be possible without Alan Moore. So I think, um, yeah, I would have to go with Swamp Thing. I mean, that's an excellent, excellent one. Um, the first one is, is, is an obvious choice because it is a net character near and dear to me, Deadpool. Hmm. The, the first appearances of Deadpool were... He was a straight man. He wasn't a, you know, he was a, a straight up assassin, cold blooded, ice in his veins. He wasn't funny, and I think that Deadpool, as ninety nine point nine percent of the world now knows him because of the movies, largely, uh, but certainly that that was taken from the the Joe, Joe Kelly era of the character, 
And I think that's the Deadpool we get most of the time now. And probably forever now that the movies have been immortalized, that version. Yeah. I never asked you, but Mm -hmm. do you feel some kind of way that the character that you have loved for so long, that thing that was not uniquely yours, but it it was one of the, you were one of the few champions of Deadpool at at one point. (laughs) Do do you feel some kind of way that like Deadpool's on underwear now and and you can go to Walmart and get a friggin' Deadpool t-shirt? Nah. No? No, I think it's great. Share the love, right? I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, I think I would feel differently if the if the movies were a bastardization or flat out bad or changed the character in so, such a way that he was now super popular and it wasn't a char- the version of the character I thought was the best version. But I, I think I think Ryan Reynolds' version is perfect. It's yeah. perfect. So no, no, I um, no, that doesn't bother me at all. I, I don't. I don't I don't I don't think of things that way with comics because I think that we know in our hearts um that no matter how popular these films are and how popular the characters may be in the pop culture lexicon now we know in our hearts that all the average people don't actually know the characters like we do. Right, right. And that's that's my uh, my one saving grace with the movies. Um, because the characters that are up on screen, they're not my characters. Right. Mine are flat and, and have dots. Right. Process colored dots. How about, um, here's another one for you, a totally different angle. How about Groot? Hmm. Yeah, Groot was a, a one-off monster, a villain. One-off, yeah, one-off, just straight-up Kirby monster. Just... I think that may be the most drastic change, yeah. I think right. you may you may have done, you may have found it. Now he's beloved, and and a and a cut up and a sweetheart. So, thank DNA yeah. for that. Faux show. Yep, yep. Okay, I have another question. Okay. This comes from our buddy Caleb Alexander McKenzie. Nice. You get to make a five member team out of early image characters. Well, let me get this right. You get to make a five-member team out of early image teams. Well, I'm going to cheat because he's saying you need to pick from image teams. I'm not going to pick from all image teams. So you get to all the early image characters. Let's widen this. You get to make okay. a five-member team. Who are you going to pick? Okay, well, why don't you go ahead because, again, this is the well, first time I'm hearing this. Mine is going to be a surprise to no one. Mm-hmm. I'd go with Spawn. Of course. Savage Dragon. Of course. Yeah. Uh, just as spice things up with a little bit of conflict Mm -hmm. i would go with uh blood hunter cabot and battlestone i would put two of the brothers on the team just so they could bitch and moan and piss and fight together and then you'd have so that's four and i would put the max on it just to put a little bit of a of a unreality into it, make it uh, a little bit of a psychodrama or a psycho, uh, psycho realm kind of thing, where mm-hmm. you would be you'd be unsure as if any of this is really happening. Okay. Um. Well, I don't think mine's going to be all that shocking either. I would also put Savage Dragon on there. Uh, Spawn can go 
kids fuck off, so I don't care about him. Uh, <laughs> That's blasphemy. I know, I know. Uh, I would have Bad Rock on there. I would have Shaft on there. <laughs> <laughs> if there was any, ever any doubt that Rob created his stuff for boys when he has the dude called Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have uh, Spartan mm. and Zealot. Damn, neither of us said Prophet. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I dig Prophet, but no, I, I, I got to go with the Wildcats and Youngblood heavy. Yeah, heavy roster. You can't tell a simple Prophet story. You just can't. It's 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 no. it's, it's impossible. Agree. Yeah. And okay, let's do a little uh, part two. Who would you have draw it? Ooh, like oh, geez. Um, you could pick from anybody that's ever been an image, even Chap. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, my 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 heart says Rob, but my head says McFarlane. Wow, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of that is because I don't I don't need to, to I don't need to rep for for Rob. Certainly, everyone knows I love the guy, but he really hasn't ever stopped drawing. I mean, right. we see it. We see Rob comics all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we've talked about many times, Todd is either by choice or because he's got some sort of Eddie Murphy like stage right now. Yeah, but his attempts at doing regular interiors have. I mean, it's been a long time since you could say that Todd's done regular interiors uh, consistently. So it would be nice to see him do a. a 10 12 issue run of a, of a of a book. I think that would be I think that would be the most hype thing in a long time. Yeah. Todd did a run of pastiche covers for Spawn. Yeah, but co- covers is cool, but I'm saying yeah. doing no, but they're, real, ama- they're they're doing sequential stuff. They're genuinely amazing. Um but uh, we, he, we know we know though that there's so much difference between Drawing badass covers and being a great sequential storyteller. Oh, true, true. But I mean, he he did he aped his own la- landmark covers, like mm-hmm. the uh, you know he obviously did the Spider-Man three hundred cover, albeit with Spawn. He did um, the Steranko Hulk annual cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did did takes on all these these images that have been burned into our brains right. over, over the decades and they're 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 honestly they're amazing but he and he he has been inking well not recently but he was inking uh spawn he inked over larson um and vice versa and he still has it i don't know why he's so reluctant to unleash it maybe because he's making bank on plastic i don't know but mm-hmm. I think that's one of the crucial elements of getting Spawn back in the top ten is to get Todd back on pencils. He's writing it now, and you know it, it's just it, it meanders and it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it's he's mired in this this heaven and, and hell uh, antagonism. And yeah, that's great, but we've seen that for hundreds of issues. Nobody wants to see that anymore. 
or I don't know. I'm just assuming. I, I would take it in a different direction. But the Jason Sean Alexander on the on the visuals is great, but it's you know it's just more of the same. Like I, I really don't think he has any kind of concern for whether or not he's he's breaking you know twenty thirty thousand copies on Spawn. He doesn't care. He's made his uh, mark on the industry. Mm-hmm. Okay, now my um, artist for this project. I'll do my heart of hearts like you did, and then my one I'll go with. In my heart of hearts, I would put it uh, in the the lap of Mr. Larson, because he is by far the best of of all of the image artists. And that's and he's he's more attuned to the superhero stuff. He's just the he's the the big grand poobah, high exalted mystic ruler artist of image. He there is no challenging Mr. Larson in my book. I mm-hmm. love I love Rob and I love Todd, but they are not Eric. Let's just put it that way. Um, and that's 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 not a dig. I love them all almost equally, but Eric's Eric's my go-to. But I wouldn't have him draw this. I would have Sam Keith draw it. Okay. Only yeah. only because with the max angle that would cement the otherworldliness of it, and I would mix it up. I would like to see Sam take on Spawn. And and dragon and just just mix it up and have it look weird because Sam stuff looks weird. It's it's weird and it's a good kind of weird. So yeah, that's the way I would go with that. Mm. Nice. Those are the questions I uh, I fielded. And and if you would like to participate in endeavors such as this, you just all I have to do is go to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash one one o c o m i c s and join in on the fun. We have a dedicated Slack channel that you can have access to for a certain uh, level of um, help, and uh, we have a ball. I'm on there more than I am with just the plain David and Jason channel. It's true, and we're not bitter about it either. No, I can hear it in your voice. You're not. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I just got a ping. Um, so special huge shout-out to our uh, – Longtime EOC community member and friend, uh, Rob Hafferman, who uh, mm-hmm. he he and his family endured a horrific uh, tragedy today. So what? Yeah, I'm not going to get into the details. Okay, I don't know that it's. Uh, I'll look but, it up. But to, but but it, I but if he does hear this or he listens, you know, Rob, we love you, man. That's uh, our our thoughts. So yeah, I'm sorry. I, I yeah, no, I just got it. Just it just hit. I just so. Oh, Jesus. But anyway, yeah, but... Uh, but I'm, I'm sorry. Not to bring it down, but I uh, yeah. just wanted to send a... In case he you know, is listening and whatever, just let him know that we're thinking about him. Anyway, but uh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, big love, brother. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, let's let's bring this baby home. Titan right. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yes. Uh, Discount Comic Book Service made this possible. Uh, dcbservice.com you get your books get them fast get them delivered right to your door the absolute last time you are going to hear this uh, I uh, Bully Wars I was going to say I hate Fairyland Bully Wars number one uh, Scotty Young Aaron Conley ninety nine. Coda Trade Paperback Volume 1 Discover Now from Boom four ninety nine. Deathbed from Vertigo will cost you $8.49 it's a six issue trade paperback dcbservice.com and thank you very much to our patrons I just gave you the URL so I'm not going to say it again check it out Um, in your travels it's been a minute 
since I talked this book up. Uh, written by a, an amazing trio now. It used to be a quartet. Joshua Williamson is not listed among the writers with this issue. You have James Asmus, Joseph Keating, and Christopher Sibela writing. Illustrated by Joe Infernari. Color art by Jordan Boyd. It is, of course, Evolution from Image. And this is issue seven. Jason, you still reading this? Um, a little behind. Okay. Well, um, suffice to say, I am one who loves to be disturbed. I love to be uh, thrown. Um, I don't kick and I don't scream. I willingly allow creative teams to throw me far over the line of propriety, and evolution does that. Uh, there is a very, very gray area going on in this book right now, and it has to do with the Philadelphia storyline with uh, Dr. Hurley. Dr. Hurley has become a serial killer. He is flat out murdering people in order to test his theories. Now, it, it, it raises the question, if you had the knowledge um, that would save the world, is are the lives of uh, the innocents a sufficient trade-off? I don't know. He uh, Right now, we don't know if he's right or not. He thinks he's right. Um, some of his results are leading him to believe that he's right, but he, in order to get the raw materials to test his uh, theories, he is he's killing people. And one of the uh, deceased is his uh, his uh, co-worker that we were introduced a couple issues back. She's dead, and 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 he's killing more people. He's holed up in a in a um, a motel, and he is doing his dirty deeds. Um, he's a lone wolf. He's he left his his wife and son, and now he's he's flat out murdering people in order to. Well, under the the guise of saving the world, but it, it may be just to prove that he's right. He, I think he's legit insane at this point, Dr. Hurley. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, sister Hannah is in Germany now, and um, she's involved in some kind of altercation where um, a gun is pulled and she goes to, to stop this person from firing, and she takes on two wounds. Two holes are blown through the palms of her hands. There's uh, some concept for you. And she doesn't bleed. And she chalks it up to a miracle. Is it? It remains to be seen. And there are further developments in the Los Angeles storyline with Rochelle and Claire. And um, since Jason hasn't read it, I will say there are significant Mm -hmm. developments in this storyline. Uh, okay. I don't know what's going to happen next in this book, and I love that fact. It is uh, it is a, a, a child of the '80s VHS horror film culture. The, the the graphics of the 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 cover graphics, the title graphics, the contents page graphics are straight out of bad videotape box art. Um, there there's faux aging going on here, not only in the the uh, content and cover pages but on the art as well 
Um, the uh, the letters page looks like um, a Stranger Things homage with the uh, neon backlit um, type. It's this is an amazing book. It's one of the few titles that I'm retaining in in single issue form because mm-hmm. I, I have to have it every every month. So uh, if you are if you like to be shaken to your core, um, if you look in the mirror one day and you notice the lump on your shoulder. The kind of feelings that elicits, there's something alien in my body. What the frig do I do? Sheer panic, white knuckle. That's the kind of feelings you're going to get from evolution. Mm. It's a great book. And I love it so much. Well, I have an inner travels that's going to make you smile. What's this? Well, probably about a month ago, you, not for the first time, but the most recent time, sang the praises of a creator known to many as Inio Asano. <laughs> yes. Nice. And the feedback you got about the Asano love was massive. Yeah. And I asked our crew that were, as are you familiar with his work and said, well, what, uh, what, what's, what's y'all's favorite? I'll, I'll, I'm going to read, I'm going to see what this cat's all about. And there were lots of votes for lots of his work. So it wasn't, I can't say that there was a definitive winner of that question, but one of the, the choices that seemed to come up most often and, and was echoed in, in very passionately by, uh, in particular, our, our buddy Jay Tomio. Love him. Who, who said that, uh, this work I'm about to mention was not only his favorite Asano work, but, but one of his favorite works period. And, Jay's about as well read as any human being on the earth, mm-hmm. not just with comics. He, he's the amount of, of, of uh, literature a dude has consumed and can speak thoughtfully on is uh, truly jaw trapping. So uh, in any event, the choice um, among Mr. Asano's many, many works that I opted to jump in on was good night pun pun. You read it all? No, 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 no. I read the, I've read the first volume, which is the, um, oh, okay. I guess it's the first two, the first two chapters. You know, you yeah, know yeah, Viz yeah. Does. Viz, yeah. Viz puts, you know, they take two two volumes and, and combine them. So I read, I guess, the first officially two volumes of the series, and it was wonderful. Yeah, it was absolutely wonderful. So what is it about? That it's 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 on the the description is going to sound relatively simple. It is a story of a fifth grade boy uh, named uh, Pun Pun Punyama. And he is going through the kinds of experiences one would expect in a coming-of-age story about a fifth-grade boy. He's got friends. They love porn. They're obsessed with girls. He has a crush on a a girl at school who's, you know, the new girl at school. He's got a crush on her. He has interactions with his parents, but they don't always understand him. He's got a crazy uncle. Um, There are... Um, there are other adults in his life, prim, prim, you know, primarily at the school, like his principal and his teachers, who are for the most part normal figureheads. But then they're prone to these wild acts of behavior, and you're not sure really if these are just trumped up imaginations from Pun Pun, 
in that he sees his teachers acting crazy in his mind or if in fact they're doing these crazy things. Um, so, so at its surface, it's just a wonderfully done coming of age story, mm-hmm. but, but the magic of the book, which doesn't come across in my description is the, is the, is the a visual approach to all of this. Sure. So the, 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 the top conceit being that pun pun and his family are drawn as rudimentary, almost chicken scratch birds. Pun pun is a, a, a jagged lined little bird that looks not dissimilar to the Twitter bird, really. Um, but, but what's fascinating is Asano draws pun pun and his family like that, but everything else in the book, including all of the other people, are drawn with incredible realistic detail. Yep. So the juxtaposition of Pun Pun and his family is 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 so stunning um, because it's not only that they're birds, but they're these rudimentary stick figure birds that you are well, you're an artist, so the, or like anyone could draw, like literally anybody could, could they're draw. Gestural, them. yeah, they're gestural. They're yeah, loose. I'm saying they're, but that's the point. So it's this, and then and then there's other things he does that are equally odd in that they're, they're unconventional, but they work so well. You don't ever see pun pun since you don't ever see pun pun as a, as a human being, you, you also don't see him speak ever the, the, when he speaks, it's always in dialogue boxes or caption boxes off in the corner. Um, more like you're in his head than seeing him speak to people. Um, and, and then as if that weren't enough, Asano then also plays tricks and he's not alone. This is not an uncommon thing with great manga storytellers, but all of the backgrounds are photographic and or uh, 3D digitally generated imagery. So you've got these hyper detailed CGI rendered uh, cityscapes and backgrounds. And then you've got these photographic backgrounds that uh, are then layered with these very beautifully and, and intensively drawn um, characters. And then you've got these stick figure gestural Pun pun family figures. It's it's this and and it it, it may sound nuts, but it, it works also well because it, it it I don't know. It's like when you're reading it, you you don't you you don't you very quickly don't think about the fact that you're looking at a little scratchy bird. Yep. You just look at him as like and I and I think that I don't know Asano well. I don't know if interviews about his craft or any specific book. So I don't know if if he's ever gotten into his choices here, but it strikes me that he's, he's, he's obviously doing all this for a reason, but it, but it strikes me without knowing what the reason is or hearing what him, him explain the reason. It seems that he's found a way to emphasize the fact that young people feel alien to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like they feel like they're an alien creature and they, all they want to do is find their place, find a way for them to fit in, find, you know, and, and it just seems like if that's what he's going for or not, I don't know. I'm sure many of you may know the answer to that. If you do, I'd love to hear what he said on the matter. But, but if that's not what he meant, that's what I took from it. And I just think it, it, it works so well because if this was just a story drawn in, a beautiful way, but the boy was just a boy. It would be cool, but it, I don't know that it would be as engaging. I don't know that it would be as thought provoking. Um, I don't know that you'd focus as much on the mood of the 
experiences as you do when you're looking at this little birdie <laughs> walking around in a otherwise realistic world. So, um, I, I have a lot more to go to, to finish the story. Um, as with any manga, I think there's, so I have, I have six of them. I don't know how many there are in total, but I, I, I have six. Yeah. Least. So it, well, it was, so it was serialized in, um, it was serialized from 2007 to 2013 in, um, in weekly young Sunday mm-hmm. and then big comic spirits. So it, it jumped, it jumped from one to the other. Um, it was in weekly young Sunday for its first year and then big comic spirits from 2008, to 2013. And there are 13 volumes. Oh, okay. So uh, six, may be the, the total then. I think it's I think it's thirteen Viz volumes though. Oh boy, yeah, all right. Yeah, I think, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. It's, maybe not, maybe not. I, it, again, I, I I should have probably looked this up before, I, but I just read the first Viz volume, so again, either way, I have a long way to go. Um, and my understanding is that we it's a another fascinating thing about this is it's it's a uh, he ages in real time. Oh yeah, yep. Pun pun. By the end of the story, is 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 twenty years old? I think. So he 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 goes from preteen to twenty year old, um, which is amazing. That that and that makes me want to keep keep on with it because I I, I love the idea of that. So this will twist your head around. Mm-hmm. Asano's under forty. I think he's like thirty eight. Yeah, no, I, I I gathered that after you talked about him um, a few weeks back, and then everyone was throwing him love. I I looked him up and. He was born in 1980. Yeah, it's nuts. It's, yeah, it's, so. it's insane. Um, but, I mean, the same thing with um, DDDDD Destruction the, with the yeah. backgrounds. He does do photorealistic backgrounds with um, – in in Demons, the characters are not entirely realistic. I mm-hmm. mean, they're, they're very fluid and very animated. But, uh, yes, he, he likes to juxtapose – the the rigid you know reality of the backdrop with mm-hmm. you know but not to the extent of pun pun yeah I mean, that, oh that's one, the one other thing about the pun pun world uh, pun pun can summon God yeah he talks and, to and, God and God is an afro a dude in an afro <laughs> He's a dude bad, just shows up bad motherfucker yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but it's and it's really God it's God it's not it's it's like God like with a capital G yeah what so. we should do is the next book of the month, which is coming up next episode, folks. For for one of our book of, books of the month, we should do an entire manga book of the month and put Pun Pun and something else and something else just to get a, a unique, like a manga book of the month. Yeah, I would love it. Yeah. The, the only, yeah, the thing, I was going to say it's daunting because usually manga are such long series, but that's bullshit because I often... I mean, our, the thing we're doing this week, BPRD, it's volume one. So it's there's no rule that we can't just do right. volume one. Why couldn't we? It makes sense. Yeah, but there are some really good single or, or double volume mangas. We're not going to do One Piece oh, yeah. as a book yeah. of the month. You know, that's that's in, insane. You know but, what? I would love to put One Piece on there because I've never read One Piece. Ah, uh, I, I just got a douche chill when you when the thought of you reading One Piece. I love you too much. I don't. I don't know if you'd like it. Huh. I, I really don't know. But well, that may I be mean, a good you experiment. Don't know until you try it, right? Right, right, right. I mean, what the fuck is this? <laughs> ah, man, I mean, is it any different than the superhero shit we read? I mean, 
Uh, actually, actually, no. Actually, right. no, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's more outlandish, obviously. Sure. But, sure. yeah. Listen, uh, I just watched that Devil Man cartoon. I mean, I don't know. That I, wasn't it awesome? You know, I got to tell you, I appreciated it more than I enjoyed it. Okay. I got kind of pissed off. Um, I knew early on by episode two who the big bad was mm-hmm. because it's in the damn credits. Oh. Okay. When I saw the character in the credits, the silhouette of the character in the credits, I'm like, the fuck they doing that for? Because Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. like, and so, come on. I hate that. Why do you got to tip your hand in the credits? It's It makes no sense. Right, or in the right. opening montage, it makes no sense. But it was a lot more raw than I thought it would be for Netflix. It, it was incredibly raw. That's yeah. why I say, I, I can't say I, I watched it and was overjoyed, but I... I was more transfixed by how crazy it was. A lot of fucking. Yeah, and a, and a lot of body horror and a lot of, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was fascinating more than it was enjoyable for me. Yeah, well, the body horror did surprise me. That's going to guy. The original uh, mm-hmm. devil man all the way up that one of the staples is body horror. The 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 villains or the antagonists have eyes and mouths and brains and shit where they shouldn't right. be in the crotches, you know, everywhere. But, uh, hey, do you, do you, have you ever given any thought or do you know why Japanese culture and entertainment seems to more readily embrace body horror? I don't know. Because attack on Titan. I mean, it's, it's the very or, common have thing. Have you ever seen Oregon? The no. movie, uh, dude, uh, yeah, or audition. Like, Oregon is the top. I mean, I have a a crate full of Japanese body horror DVDs. I, I could do the list, but nobody wants to hear it. But, I mean, I don't understand. Like, I, mean, I guess it is the fear of impermanence. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's a fear at all. Or maybe it's a lesson in impermanence. I don't know. Um, but they are fan- they are transfixed with body horror. Uh, Akira is loaded with body horror. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more often than not, they they, they parlay body horror, even when and, it's and not... Not even... Yeah, and you, we can even... be things like Ultraman or all the... All, I mean, right? Or all the... like Even Voltron. I mean, all the... Right? It's always about morphing... Into one. Into yeah. one or with the villains, right? It's always about like something... Well, I get getting, that. Getting mutated and, and right. over... Yeah, yeah. I the gestalt aspect of many of the the Japanese uh robot shows, I get that because Japanese people see themselves first and foremost as a culture, as a as a uh, a many-celled organism. Mm-hmm. Like it is the Japanese people of which you are one. So, yes, you are an individual, but you are more valuable as a uh, a component of a culture to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, we, we should get people who know more than us, uh, about this topic on with us one of these, one of these weeks. Yeah. It it just fascinates me. Um, but I mean, universally, who is not affected by body horror? Every single one of us for the same reason I talked about in evolution. If -hmm. you look in the mirror and see a blemish on your body, you're like, holy fuck. What is going on here? I'm being invaded, and you don't like it. Your your body is your your country, and they have there's these things that are, you know, trespassing. Get out! It, it, it's a cause for concern. Immediate. 
cause for concern. It's a universal feeling. So I, I, I understand the body horror, but I don't, under, I don't know why it's so prevalent in, in Japanese uh, fantastic fiction and, and, and uh, movies. I, I don't know. Hmm. I'd love to. I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on that. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time. David will be back with us next episode for <laughs> sure. Uh, in the meantime, come to our Facebook page. We are hopping and popping on there. We're on the Twitters, the Patreon, uh, forward Patreon.com, sorry, forward slash one one o c o m i c s. In the meantime. Um, we'll cross our fingers but uh, David will be back and say bye Jason say bye Jason that's underwhelming wasn't it no it's fine okay that's good because we out yeah man it's all good bye later